Hello, and a very warm welcome to your Active's Health Podcast. Right now, we are all getting ready for the summer break. Our newsletter this week will give you all the tips you need to know for a healthy holiday period. In this episode of the Health Brief, however, we will take a look ahead and jump to September. After the summer, when the temperatures start to be colder and everyone is back to work, the vaccination season starts. In the past years, we have heard a lot about vaccines, and while we have access to more information than ever before, vaccine hesitancy is still worrying in Europe. To talk about that, today we have with us Emily Karafiliakis, doctor and researcher on how individual and group beliefs, attitudes and confidence in health intervention can influence public health control measures and promotion strategies. researcher at the Vaccine Confident Project. Could you explain a bit what exactly is this project? Sure. So uh, the Vaccine Confidence Project was set up um, a bit more than 10 years ago to try to develop a better understanding and measurement of uh, confidence in vaccination across the world. So the work that we do is to try to develop new tools and methods to monitor levels of confidence in, in vaccination, see how they change over time, how they vary from one country to another for, for different vaccines. Uh, we, we monitor all of this. And for example, what's the situation right now in Europe in terms of vaccine confidence? So Europe has been flagged as um, the region in the world with the lowest levels of confidence in vaccination um, since our 2016 survey, which was our first global survey. And the situation at the moment has changed a lot because of the, the COVID-19 pandemic and, and a lot of uh, the changes that have occurred at a global level. But it is still one of the regions with, with the lowest levels of confidence in vaccination. Although it, it does vary quite strongly from one country to another uh, within um, within Europe and within the, the European Union. And we do see, for example, lower levels of confidence in Eastern European countries than in, in, in the West. So, so it does change from, from one region to another. Why do you think that is the differences between countries? Things like confidence and trust are, are very context-specific. So the way people um, perceive vaccination and the way the, the information that they receive and, and the way they, they process that information is very dependent on uh, the context surrounding them. So what does that mean? That means that things like uh, historical events, uh, political changes, um, socioeconomic uh, differences, um, all, all of these events and elements can have an influence on uh, people's trust in things like vaccines, but also in science and healthcare providers and in health in general. So that's why we see differences. So for example, in countries where there's rapid responses and very strong communication around science and around vaccination, there tends to be less uh, issues with, with confidence in vaccination. And in countries where there is lower trust in government or, or health authorities, there we tend to see to see bigger problems. You've said that COVID has changed this trend, uh, it's like for the better, for the worse. Are people trusting more now the vaccines than before? Um, again, it's it's a it's a complex answer. <laughs> so there is um, there is no sort of one one way uh, that it's changed. What we're seeing in in the the continuous monitoring that we've done 
is that um, at the very beginning of COVID, there was uh, an increase in, in confidence. When you look at 2020 data, uh, there was an increase in confidence in vaccination among um not all, but, but most populations. And that could be due to, you know, a new new disease. Um, we, we started talking about COVID. There was hope for vaccines. Um, there was fear as well, fear of the disease. And so all of that um, contributed to, to an increase in, in people's trust in vaccination. But if we look at um, data from 2022, um, so post, almost post-COVID, um, what we're seeing is that it decreased again and going back to levels, pre-pandemic levels. So, so it did fluctuate. And a lot of this um, could be due to, to, we know that during the pandemic, um, there was a, a very strong misinformation uh, campaign circulating online. So misinformation has really increased about vaccines, about health, about a lot of other topics, but but we did see an increase during during the pandemic. So that could have contributed to that um, to that decrease. We know that things like government uh, decisions and actions can also influence people's trust. So in countries, for example, where there was strong um, government mandates and uh, you know decisions taken from the government that were not necessarily um, in line with public opinions that could have influenced people's trust. So, so there's a few things that happened. And another thing that we saw was uh, that there is a widening age gap in, in confidence levels. So what we're seeing, especially since COVID, is that people that are over 65 tend to be more and more confident in vaccination while those that are 18 to, to even 35, 24 to 35 years old, um, are losing confidence in vaccination. So that gap is is widening um, and, and we're seeing these differences. So th- this means we need to, to act very quickly with these younger age groups. And why do you think, for example, people that, yeah, younger people that have apparently access maybe to more information to the internet that uh, I think that nowadays in schools also we talk about this where are they uh, like why do we have less confidence in the vaccine well access to more information is not always synonym of, of more confidence and we know that having too much information can actually create confusion so it's not always in line and there was actually a study that showed that um, while people during the pandemic felt more literate in, in scientific areas, um, they at the same time received a lot more misinformation. So you do get access to more information, but that doesn't mean that all of this information is um, is fact checked. It's it's credible. Um, so it does mean that there's more exposure to misinformation as well, and especially on on social media, on platforms that are not uh, where the information cannot be verified. Um, that means that people are more exposed to, to potential rumors and, and information that, that isn't correct about, um, about vaccination. So that, that could be uh, one of the reasons. And what could be done to reverse this situation? It is something that is easily changed or this vaccine hesitancy and untrust is uh, something that will stick with those people? I don't think we should be so... Um, pessimistic i think you know that there is no a lot of people will say you know don't don't even bother with with people that are um that are hesitant it's the, you're not going to change their mind i don't i don't think we should um we should be so negative i think in the end um it has to be it, it will be 
something that takes time and, and restoring trust is one of the most difficult things to do, but it can be done. And we've seen in countries, for example, um, France was seen as, as the country with the lowest level of, of confidence in our 2016 survey. And since then, they have um, implemented a range of strategies to try to, to change the situation. And one of them was to, to make vaccines mandatory, but it wasn't only that. It was really about communicating and engaging, having you know, respect for, for people's opinions and decisions, I think is, is crucial. It's making sure that we listen to, to people's concerns, we understand them, and we work with them to identify you know, how, how to move forward. Um, I think we need stronger communication. We need stronger public engagement. So including the public in not only communication, but decision-making as well. Um, and we need to acknowledge as well that this is a strategy that requires multidisciplinary action and it's not going to be one solution. So if we think that, you know, it's it's just about removing misinformation from the internet, that will not solve the problem at all. Uh, first of all, because you cannot remove it entirely, it will always come back, but also because we have to look more at the at the core issues and, and going back. So looking at how we can empower people to detect misinformation and, and from school going to, you know, going to school and teaching children on how to look for information online, how to assess health information, how to identify misinformation. That's that's what can have a, a really strong impact in the long term. But but it did. It does take a long time. Actually, that was everything from me. Uh, I don't know if you have something that you would like uh, to comment apart from that. Anything specific that you found in your research that you think we should know? Well, one of the key elements I would say is um, we need to, to work in a more collaborative way and, and we need better tools and, and better systems where there can be, you know, collaborations between health sectors and, and other sectors. And we know, for example, that healthcare professionals are the most trusted source of information. So we need to work with healthcare professionals to improve vaccination because they will be the ones who can have a strong impact on, on their patients and on, on, on parents and, and others. Um, but that's not the only thing. And, and, you know, we need to have a better collaborating collaboration system between um, health and the media, having you know stronger links where where communication can can go very quickly. For example, with uh, journalists and media, we need to have stronger collaboration with governments. With, I think this is really essential to have being prepared. Preparedness plans are essential across multiple um, multiple fields. This is all from us today. Thank you for listening. From the health team, we have some news for you. Every week we brought to you the latest health news from Europe, but unfortunately it is time to say goodbye. We are going on holidays and starting September, we will be back touching on health topics under Beyond the Byline podcast. During the past months, we've talked about topics that cover the broad spectrum of health, from AI or tobacco farming to psychedelics, the health situation in Ukraine and women's rights in Poland. And we have not done it alone. Every week we have talked with health experts, stakeholders, lawmakers like Health Commissioner Stella Kiriakides and WHO Europe's Director Hans Kluge. Thank you for being with us during this time. From me, Gerardo, uh, with, together with uh, Gidre, Marta and Clara, launched this podcast in first place. And you can, of course, find all the episodes in your Actis website and all your favorite platforms. 
A friendly reminder that you can subscribe to our newsletter that comes out on Wednesdays. We're also taking a small break from that, but we'll be back starting September. Don't worry, we'll keep making sure that you're up to date with the latest health news. This episode was brought to you by your Active's multimedia team, so special thanks to them. Enjoy the holidays and stay healthy!